This is Inspector Toolbelt Talk. You know, it's always going to be a special episode when Bion is on with us. Hey, Bion, how are you? Oh, <laughs> hey, doing good. How are you, Ian? Hey, not bad. I really appreciate you being on. The uh, the original ITB duo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I must say every episode I listen to, you've... Uh, You've really taken this next level. You're you're doing pretty good, so uh, I appreciate it. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I mean it's a ton of fun. I love the podcast. I forget uh, we had a third party estimate it somewhere over two thousand downloads a week, uh, sometimes more, and uh, I'm pretty proud of it. But you know, you you've been here since the beginning. I mean, you're half of Inspector Toolbelt. That is true. Yeah, you're the functioning half, <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to the dysfunctional half. <laughs> yeah, I, I push the buttons, but you make the buttons. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. And I must say some of the recent episodes, even hearing some some of the more senior voices in the industry, um, it, it's really great to be able to have have them here on the show. So, yeah, well done. Man, we have some of the best guests. It's just, you know, um, one of our guests, Jay Wynn, he said, it's amazing listening to these guys talk because this is 20, 30, 40, 50 years of experience hitting your head against the wall, figuring it out. Yeah. And the, we get to just sit here and say, oh, there's the answer. Yeah. And I learned something from all of our guests. Like, I'm like, man, how have I not figured that out in 19 years of inspecting? <laughs> how did you do that? That's awesome. No, it's true. All these like big wisdom and truth bombs they drop all the time. So, yeah, it's great, great value, Ed. But, you know, I wanted to talk about this subject today. And I sent you this information because this is a topic that's being talked about in the forums among home inspectors. And it's that antitrust lawsuit. It's actually technically two lawsuits going after the National Association of Realtors, NAR. Mm -hmm. And basically, we as home inspectors are like, yay, we'll finally kill the real estate industry that has been around since technically 1913. Mm. It's been the same industry since then. Mm -hmm. And we're like, finally going to change. And then some people are like, I don't see the difference. So it's a big case, though. You, you've looked it over yourself, right? Yeah. To be honest, when you forwarded me the link and we first spoke about it, it, it was kind of a new uh, topic for me. So I don't know for anybody listening, if it's a newer topic to you, maybe I can explain how I understand it and then you can <laughs> you can correct me. But uh, basically, from what I understand is when a seller enters into a contract with a, a, an agent to be able to sell their home, they, they agree to a percentage which goes to the the agent, you know. So mm -hmm. I, I guess the number that usually gets floated out there is like a six percent. It's a pretty standard, you mm -hmm. know, fee that goes. And and then that agent uses those funds to, you know, do whatever they got to do to to sell that house, to market the property, and you know, whatever is left at the end of the day is obviously um, profit for them. But I guess the issue has come up now where part of that six percent, the selling agent is paying a commission to the buyer's agent as well, mm -hmm. which typically is like a, I guess maybe a 50-50 split, like a 3% or whatever they end up negotiating. But the issue seems to be coming in is that that isn't necessarily disclosed to the seller, that that's how that, you know, what portion is going to go to the buyer's agent. And it seems like this is a lawsuit that's gotten together where a bunch of sellers have formed this class action suit to say, hey, you know, this wasn't disclosed to us. We're basically paying the buyer's agent this commission out of what we're paying you, and we don't we don't think that's fair or whatever. Am I kind of more or less on track? Yeah, that basically it. the lawsuit is basically an antitrust lawsuit, 
Mm-hmm. So the Sherman Antitrust Act, which, you know, it goes back to Roosevelt. Is it Sherman? Yeah, Sherman Antitrust Act. It goes back to Roosevelt uh, when he broke up the, you know, railroad monopoly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was one of the first actions of the Antitrust Act was, okay, let's just get rid of the monopoly. Uh, and interestingly, that got complex later on. So basically, anytime there's a monopoly that stifles competition and consolidates a market to a monopoly degree, then they step in. But yeah, that's basically the the assertion that these companies and the MLSs require, a lot of them, I should say, require the seller's agent to pay the buyer's agent's commission. Mm-hmm. It's a requirement. Mm-hmm. So if they want to list on that MLS, it has to happen that way. So Basically, the answer is that stifles all competition and creates basically price fixing, mm-hmm. you know, and there's a lot of room for uh, shady acts mm. when it comes to that arrangement. So, for instance, uh, we hired an agent for a property one time. We ne- negotiated a 5.5% interest. So what that agent did- Or c- commission, 5.5 commission, yeah. Commission. Yeah, commission. What did I say? Interest. But interest, yeah, that's not what I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean, 5.5 inches that's a gold mine right now, right? <laughs> I see, I get interest rates on my head. You know, we're, we're not talking about that today, we're talking, we're talking about uh, commission rates. So, she actually took that commission, and instead of splitting it 50 50 with the buyer's agent, she took 3.5 percent and offered two percent to the buyer, hmm. and then um, basically just kind of the property didn't sell because everybody's like, we're not. That's two percent interest or two percent commission. There it is again. Mm-hmm. So we're we're gonna fi- go find a different property, and then she basically squeezed out of us that extra half a percent, which finally went to went went to the um, buyer's agent. The buyer's agent. Mm. So it gets squirrely. I went to a, a seminar one time. I set up a booth, and this real estate big time real estate agent, real estate coach from Canada came down, and my booth was basically handing out tchotchkes with my logo on it and you know candy or whatever so i'm standing in the back listening to this thing and his whole shtick could be wrapped up into if we make our commissions higher we can sell more houses so he's like okay let's make our commission seven percent offer three and a half percent to the buyer Mm. buyer's agent now all the buyer's agents are coming after our house Mm -hmm. and we have more buyers we advertise that we're busier and you know, we make more money and the buyer's agent makes more money. That's price fixing in my mind. I remember sitting there, I'm like, this is mm. nuts. <laughs> this is. Yeah. Because then basically the buyer's agents are looking around at properties and maybe not necessarily looking at, you know, not to speak for agents, but I'm just saying the it, it could play out this way. Were you were you looking at a your your buyer or your 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 client who's looking to buy a house and you're just trying to match them with properties that have higher commissions attached to them as opposed to, you know, maybe other factors. So, I mean, yeah, that, that's not a great situation. But, you, you know, one interesting thing, because an argument, I guess, that's being brought on by, you know, brokers and agents who are in the industry is that for sellers to have a, an issue with how you, basically you've agreed to pay this commission, 6%. And it's up to me, the argument they're making is it's up to me to use that however I mm-hmm. want. And to get your house sold, I need to offer a good portion of this to the buyer Otherwise, guess what? The market for your house like dries up the, those opportunities because buyers agents are not going to be pushing that property in front of their clients. Um, so, some of the argument is like, well, it's the cost of doing business. If if you want to sell your house, you gotta gotta have a commission. So, 
I, I don't know if that practice maybe will necessarily change. Uh, I'm not sure unless there's new legislation, but maybe like it'll be more transparent that, you know, it'll be disclosed. And I don't know what effect that'll have. I'm not sure. Yeah. And you know, it's funny because like me and you, we've bought and sold property. We kind of get it. Most of our listeners get it. The average person actually doesn't. I've had clients tell me my agent is giving these people part of the money and they don't understand it because they're just finding out about it. They don't read the agreements and the agreements. I pour over these things. Some of them just don't make it overly clear and there are laws, laws, but I guess it comes down to incentivizing. So you incentivize this industry to continue this way. The same system has been around since 1913. So the broker's argument is, but this is the system. The antitrust lawsuit is the system is broken and we don't like that system because it it does incentivize an agent to find also pricier houses, higher commission. I'm not saying that all agents are going to do that, but I have seen instances where agents are like, I don't care what the commission is. I try not to look. I go and find the house. Cool. But it incentivizes not so honest agents. I've seen some get upset and be like, I wash my hands of this. I'm only getting 2% commission. They're not getting this much work out of me. So it incentivizes certain agents. And let's be honest, maybe more or less to go after the higher dollar. That's that's us by human nature. We're going to pick the apple tree with more apples on it than the one with less. That's just what we do. It's how we're built. But it is interesting. So the lawsuit, the two lawsuits, it's Sitzer and Burnett and Moral, Moral, (laughs) M-O-E-H-R-L. So these two lawsuits include the National Association of Realtors, NAR, Keller Williams, Remax, Home Services of America and its subsidiaries, subsidiaries, and also Anywhere, which I did not know this before, but Anywhere is the parent company of Sotheby's, Coal Banker, and Century 21. I didn't actually know that Century 21 and Coal Banker were and Sotheby's were related quite like that. Yeah, no, I didn't either. So I guess you could kind of understand the perception of a little bit of collusion here. Mm. I mean, that represents a giant portion of the real estate market, those companies. Yeah, and what makes it more interesting and spicy, I guess that's why a lot of people are talking about it, is the fact that is it? I think Remax and Anywhere have just settled. Yep. So it was like a eighty-three million dollars settlement, I think, between the two of them. Actually, eighty-three million just for Anywhere, and Remax was fifty-five million. So put together, well over a hundred million dollars. Yeah. So they settled just to have their names withdrawn from the suit. So I mean, okay, people settle all the time for whatever reasons, but as part of that settlement agreement, it was like they will change their policies going forward. There's no like details on what that is going to be, but that's, I guess, the big question mark right now is, so if these, if these giants already settled, I guess NAR is saying, no way, we're not settling, we're taking this to court. So I guess we'll see what happens there. But um, I think that's what got, it's gotten everybody's attention because a lot of people expected this to kind of just go nowhere like previous. And now you've got these big guys settling. And um, I think there's some, some question marks raised about that. Yeah, here's my thing, though. It's not like, okay, let's sue NAR. NAR is one of the most powerful organizations, mm-hmm. political and financially, otherwise in the country. Yeah. So the economy, one of the major pillars, and you can correct me on this, Bian, isn't there like five pillars to the economy? But whatever it happens to be, but real estate is is one of the major pillars. I'm not sure. 
Yeah, I'm not sure either. All I know is that it's it's also used as one of the markers of a recession, the market, the whole the real estate market, the whole thing. And every transaction besides private transactions, NAR has a piece of. Mm-hmm. And it has to be a private transaction with no mortgage and you know, you get your own private homeowners insurance because NAR is part of all of it. Mm-hmm. So it, it it real and it's just one association. The only other real association I say real, it's not real yet. IREP, which Nick Ramico's working on, but you know, we haven't really seen anything from that yet. So NAR is just sitting there all alone, no competition, saying, mm-hmm. This is what we do. Mm-hmm. And this is what will happen. So what happens if you kind of tick off NAR? <laughs> Mm. You know, um, this antitrust act, the Sherman antitrust act, it's a big deal. It's been used as a hammer against organizations like NAR for a long time, Mm. but they don't go down easy. Right. And the other lawsuit is actually interesting because that lawsuit, I guess, is between some alternative listing like groups, like I think one of them was called, it was a TAN, I remember that. And then there was another another group that basically had created a, a listing service that would, you know, rival the MLS. Obviously, the MLS is huge and you're not going to be able to rival them for, for a long time, no matter who starts out. But I guess NAR referred to these as pocketed listings that were not part of the MLS. And as part of their policy, they updated that anybody who's a realtor, in other words, you are a member of NAR's association, you are not allowed to sell anything, get involved in any real estate transactions with pocketed listings, anything mm-hmm. that is not in the MLS. If you want to touch a property, sell it, buy it, do whatever, you have to be, it has to be in the MLS. And I guess these independent listing organizations, Rex, Rex was the one, Rex and Tan, I think. <laughs> Who names these things? Rex and Tan. <laughs> Rex and Tan is after NAR and... <laughs> Sounds like an episode of the Red Green Show or something. <laughs> it, it does, right? It sounds like wild. But uh, yeah, Rex is, is in Texas, I believe, and uh, Tan is in California. But they are now suing them to to say, yeah, you, you can't do that uh, under antitrust law. Because basically, like you're explaining, you have a n- monopoly. You're dictating how the majority of the real estate market can can touch these listings or not. And most, you know, real estate agents, let's face it, are realtors, are members of the association. So it'll be interesting to keep our eye on that one too, because that one was rejected in a lower court, went to a higher appeals court, and now the Department of Justice is involved as well. So if that gains traction, it may start a new trend where you see listings alternative to the MLS where members of NAR are able to also uh, sell those listings according to law. And these two together, I guess, kind of opens a bit more opportunity. But obviously, we are a long ways from probably seeing any sort of real impact just because of the size, like you mentioned, of of NAR and the whole MLS. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you mentioned the pocket listings because when talk first went through the industry of pocket listings, everybody's like, man, they're evil. It was like a propaganda f- film that agents were being shown. Mm-hmm. They're all talking about how pocket listings are evil, pocket listings are evil. And then you actually talk about it and you're like, wait a minute, so you're forcing me to use your service? So no one who ever uses a real estate, uh, you know, realtor mm. will ever buy or sell my home? Mm. This is insane. That's that's collusion. That's, uh, yeah, I mean, that's basically the foundation of the antitrust law. That lawsuit mm. is a little bit more clear cut than this one. Mm. But I do think as much as NAR is going to fight it, there's a reason why Remax and Anywhere backed out with all that money. You don't throw a hundred and I forget the math now, 140 million, 130 mm-hmm. million out the window just to be like, yeah, this is kind of a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. I think they see a sinking ship mm. with this lawsuit. 
But let's talk about what this means for home inspectors, because home inspectors are all saying, uh, well, here's just some of the comments. Uh, no more buyer's agents. Mm-hmm. Some are thinking, well, no, how about we, no more seller's agents? Or how about we go to, man, I have a lot of realtor friends. I, I've said this before, though, so that they know. Here in New York, a real estate agent, you know, the attorney does most of the work because they do the closings. Then you have a mortgager. Then you have an appraiser. So closing the deal, uh, signing the deal, getting money for the deal, finding out how much the house is worth and a home inspector finding out how the house functions, Hmm. basically a real estate agent has just become finding and opening doors Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. They negotiate and there's agents that really earn their commission, so I don't mean to make it sound like that, but it's becoming slowly over time, less like it was in 1913. Mm -hmm. I mean, what else do we keep around that's the same since 1913? We don't drive cars the same way. We don't have... I mean, nothing is the same since 1913. Mm -hmm. That's over 110 years ago. Mm -hmm. So I do think it's up for a shakeup, but I don't think these two lawsuits are going to break that industry. Mm. Now, yeah, you just made me think of something interesting because it's interesting that even within the real estate community, like the community of real estate agents, there is a degree of irritation about this phenomenon because you put the commission out there, you know, this property, and we're paying 3% to the buyer's agent. And all that that agent has to do many times is, is show up with the buyer and connect the dots. And even within the industry, people who are true practitioners of real estate, they like serious agents, they really want the best for their clients. They're getting irritated by these guys who are newly minted agents show up in flip flops and, you know, just kind of sign paper and, and off they go. And 3% is theirs, you know? And from the consumer, from the buyer's perspective, it's also not great because your agent could do nothing for you, really looking out for your interests. As long as the deal is closed, they get their money. And I think maybe that is adding to a little bit of the the fuel to the fire here from the seller perspective. Cause you think about yourself as a seller, you hear you selling your property. You've agreed to pay 6% to your agent. You trust they're going to do their job. This guy shows up, uh, a buyer's agent, gives you a super hard time. You're having to slash prices, whatever. And then after the fact, you find out that, hey, you actually paid them <laughs> through, you know, a whole chunk. Uh, and I mean, let, let's say like the average house right now, I believe the average selling price, believe it or not, is north of $410,000. Yeah, it's nuts. So, I mean, you're looking at 3%, that's what? That's like six grand, is it? Or is my math wrong? Uh, well, 3% of 100,000 would be 3,000. So, that would, that'd be 12 grand. Okay, 12. Sorry, yeah. I thought 12 and then I was dividing it by, by two. But yeah, that is already half, right? 3%. $12,000 you're paying this person. And so, you know, I think the whole thing just doesn't sit right by them. And, and that's maybe why you see this this lawsuit going on. But I guess the answer, the question I'm left with is, okay, so what is the next step? You know, you can't just eliminate buyers agents and if you eliminate these incentives, some countries like Australia for example, like buyers agents aren't paid commissions. They paid a flat fee for their service that they they render. But I I don't know if we'll ever see the industry here going towards a model like that. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I mean, so here's the thing. Agents will also make the argument, yeah, but I drove that buyer to 30 houses. Mm-hmm. I did 14 comp analysis as I've, you know, I've prospected, I've done all this. So that 12 grand isn't a lot, but I make the argument that, okay, and then they have to split it with their office and most agents are going to get a half, half that commission. So you actually mm-hmm. only get a quarter of the commission. If you, if you do half with the buyer's agent, half with the seller's agent, then you do mm-hmm. half with your broker, you get half. If that's how it goes, then then you get six grand. But my argument back is all you're saying is that you spun your wheels really hard 
in the broken part of this industry, so you should get paid for that. Because now if I want to look at a piece of property, I look at Zillow or a couple of other websites and I have some alerts set up and I send an agent all these listings and they say, I want to see these. Can you make appointments? They make appointments through showing time, which is a whole nother discussion. And then they let me in. That's it. So I think Australia has it right. In my opinion, this is all just my opinion. You need the listing agent. The listing agent's going to go in. They'll be like, okay, listen, you got to fix this driveway. You have to do this. Here's how to write up a contract. You know, this offer's too low. This offer, like they're going to be doing things. Buyer's agent, I I think, give them a flat fee and open me some doors. And then once I get there, okay, now we have a contract. What do we do? You know, there's going to be disadvantages though, because now the buyer's agent or the buyer rather doesn't have solid representation. Yeah. Okay. So now this person isn't making six grand or 12 grand. And so they're not as incentivized to represent you, but they're also not as incentivized to not represent you because they're like, man, I don't want to show them another 30 houses. I get 12 grand out of this. You know, why would I let this deal die? Even if it's bad for my client in the back of their mind, if tired and fed up with this client, it might not fight so hard for their interest. So it really is a squirrely place to be in, but there are services out there that have been building for years. One, you basically click on a house and somebody will show up for, I forget what it was. I could be way off, but 50, $75. They open the door, stand there with you. You have up to 45 minutes to look at the house and then you drive away. And that's what that person does all day. They just drive around and let people in. And it's kind of like a real estate Uber thing, you know? They kind of record your visit to make sure you're not stealing anything. And I'm like, okay, that's 90% of what real estate is is on the buyer side. But so let's say hypothetically, though, this antitrust lawsuit ends exactly the way we as home inspectors want. I would personally love for the industry to change. Marketing to agents, I've always hated. I hate the whole, well, if you want more work for me, and then I have to say, well, I don't care. And then, you know, even if you don't care, in the back of your mind, you're like, okay, they sent me 30 inspections last year. That stinks. And they're going to talk. And it's like, I hate working that whole system. But what do you think, Bian, if buyer's agents do go away, if they win, what does that mean for home inspectors? How would they get their work? Who would they market to? What would happen, do you think? I'll I'll play along. I don't think buyer's agents will disappear. I, I think think they they're needed in the industry from the point of view of the consumer but if they were to disappear like your marketing strategy because now you're not marketing to somebody who's going to give you 30 Mm -hmm. deals in a year you marketing direct to consumer and that immediately is much more fragmented you you have to cast a much wider net it's a lot more expensive so i don't know from my from where i'm looking that that would be, I mean, okay, you, you're not dealing with somebody who can blackball you and, and you know, all of a sudden you lose 30, lose 30 deals. But at the same time, you're having to pick up each consumer directly. So, to me, that is more challenging, but that, that's just my uneducated opinion. So, here's the thing. I have two aspects to that. And I agree with your point. I don't think buyer's agents are going to go away. And if they do, they're not going down without a fight. NARA is going to fight the whole way down. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing, though. The buck has to be passed to someone. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of organizations out there right now that would love to be your go-to guy to schedule cheap home inspectors. Mm -hmm. So if we go to the model where there's no buyer's agent and then there's services instead where the agents open those doors, Mm -hmm. at the same time, they're going to do the same thing for home inspections. Mm -hmm. Because here's here's the thing for the listing agent. The listing agent has very little liability in a transaction unless they misrepresent the house and lie. Once the house is gone, it's caveat emptor in most areas of the country. Caveat emptor being buyer beware. Sold the house. We didn't lie. 
told you what we knew. House is a turd on wheels. You have to deal with it. So unless the agent does something shady, they usually have very little liability. So the problem with no buyer's agent is now they have no shared liability. What little liability is left. They don't have a buyer's agent there to say, well, what did your agent say? Mm -hmm. Now they are the agent in the deal, even if they don't represent the buyer. Mm -hmm. So they're going to want to make sure that every transaction goes okay. Make sure you get an appraiser. Make sure you have a good home inspection, all that stuff. Maybe attorneys do the negotiations, whatever. But ultimately, I mean, the seller's agent's really going to want to cover their butts. So they're going to want to make sure that happens. So I don't think it's going to reduce the amount of actual inspections. And I don't think it's going to make it skyrocket. I think it's going to be about the same. But I don't think that we're going to do a lot of direct-to-consumer advertising. I think at first, if it happened, post-apocalyptic, we'd be like, yeah, we'd be like Mad Max in it, you know, riding the wave. Everybody who has a great online presence, you're going to be killing it. Mm -hmm. If you have lots of reviews, great SEO, um, you're going to be the guy that everybody's going to find right away. But eventually, as time goes on, it's going to consolidate into really, unfortunately, like Inspectify-type models. Like we've talked about them on this show. They're going to give you $250 to go and inspect the house and they take whatever their cut is and they're just going to sweep in. So ironically, I think it's bad for the, as much as I'd love to see it go, I think it's bad for the industry that the buyer's agent, our industry as home inspectors, that the buyer's agent goes away. I'd rather be sick to my stomach with agents than have to, you know, get paid $250 by a consolidated market of Inspectify type businesses. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree with you 100%. Yeah, that, that, that that would be a harder model. And the reason why I say that I don't see the buyer's agent disappearing is I believe that that will be consumer driven. People who are buying a house, especially for the first time, they're not confident enough to just go it alone. Um, yeah. Not, nowadays, it's easy enough to find a home. I mean, if you can do a Google search, you know, you can get out there and find. And most people, actually, that's what's happening now. The trend is that most people show up to a, a buyer's agent and say, hey, I got this house that I really want to look at. Or, you know, we're interested. It's not a case like in the old days, Hey, Mr. Real Estate Agent Guy, I want you to find me uh, a house uh, in this neighborhood. It's like consumers do that themselves. But to actually close the deal and do all, I mean, most are like, I don't know, um, I need an agent to do that. So some of the talk, I guess, is, okay, so then does that commission get shifted or that whatever the buyer's agent get paid gets paid, does that burden then shift from the seller's agent and from the seller to the buyer? That's one of the questions being asked. And if that is the case, how is that going to be done? Because you're already dealing with quite a suppressed buyer's market. And now you'd be layering even more fees, at least visually, because it's going to be declared and part of your bill now, um, that you're going to either have to put a percentage or a few grand or whatever it ends up being on top of it. I think it will be a tough thing to swallow for buyers. But ultimately, I feel that that would be almost a more positive move because now as a buyer, you are making an informed choice about who you want to render this service. I want a buyer's agent to represent me and I will pay them X amount. You know, it's kind of like going to buy a new car and you know you've got you know, Honest John's on the corner that's got all these shady cars. And then you got, you know, the amazing dealer with all the good reviews in town that are more expensive, but you're going to have a good car. So 
then it's almost like your consumer is now making the choice as far as what kind of service do I want? Am I just getting a buyer's agent who will do the paperwork for me and I pay them a flat fee? Or am I wanting somebody to really represent me and and they want a percentage and I'm willing to pay them that because I want to make sure the deal is ironclad? That's what I see as a good model, but I, I don't know if there's some holes in that. No, I, I can see what you're saying. And, and there's some validity to that. There has to be some kind of standardization though. Hmm. Because then how do you go about selling the home when you look at it from the seller side? If everybody's doing something different to buy the home, how do you get people in there? So in this case, if that happened and there was no buyer's agent as we know it now, the MLS would have to change. Hmm. There'd be a lot less realtors. MLSs would have a lot less people in them. So they'd have less money and the MLS would have to change how they do things and make it more public. Because right now it's this super secret thing that you have to pay to get into and you have to be licensed. And Mm -hmm. no, 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 you can't see this information. That would have to change. I guess maybe in my mind, it's a little bit more simplistic and it's probably not that in real life. But so if I find a house and I'm like, okay, well, New York State requires an attorney to be in the transaction. Can I just go to the attorney? And then he can do that. And he could even have like paralegals look it over ahead of time. Does this look like a good deal for them? Can you do a couple quick comps? And then off you go. Because, I mean, it's not rocket science. You know, it's a 75-hour course here in New York to become an agent. Send a paralegal. I I think that would be a good system. Because then you're just shopping for cars and then you bring it to your mechanic to make sure it's okay. Is kind of what it comes down to to me. But I I could be very, very wrong. It may be more like going to your car sales, you know, going to find a car and then you get the finance guy to give you an opinion on the car. (laughs) I guess. I don't know. (laughs) Well, attorneys, they take a flat rate. Oh, that's true. I mean, most markets, it's like 500 bucks to $1,500. And they only get paid if the deal goes through and then they get partial pay if they don't, if it doesn't go through or however your particular area works. I don't know. That kind of seems like a good, good deal to me. But shifting it, completely to the expense of the buyer side, I think is going to be catastrophic. I agree. So if I'm a buyer, like you said earlier, it's already kind of a weird market. So buying a $400,000 house as your first home, it's just nuts to think about. So now I'm already strapped for cash and you want me to start dumping money in. Well, this house didn't work out. There's $400. Here's 150. There's another 700. You know, it gets to the point where there's going to be an outcry from buyers And then the seller's agents are going to be like, you killed the people that would bring us customers that would facilitate the whole thing. Because seller's agents, it's here I am. Buyer's agents are actually making the waters flow of people. So it's sticky, right? Yeah. You got your market makers, right? So you you have to have somebody on both ends of the transaction in the same volume. Otherwise, you stall uh, one way or the other. So yeah, it, it is very delicate. And I think talking through it like this helps at least even anyone listening to see that there isn't any clear path. It's not like, you know, yay, we won. It's it's nothing like that. It's, um, it, it's going to be a journey, I guess. We'll see what changes policy-wise, what disclosures are made. At, to, to be honest, like looking at this thing as realistically as possible, what will probably happen when you think of these companies who have settled down as saying that, you know, they're going to change policies, they probably, all that they mean is they're going to be a few more lines in that contract that is now going to disclose what is being paid to the buyer's agent. And, and that'll be transparent. I, I think that's as far as they're going to go on this. And with that being the case, it's like, oh, okay, so now your consumer is a bit more aware of how the pie gets sliced up. But for most people, it's not going to make any difference. A buyer wants that house and it costs the same. It's just now I can see the breakdown. 
for a seller, it's like, well, I don't like that. Okay, well, let's reduce it and see how you, you go. After a few months of not getting any any views, they're going to be more willing to up that commission rate going to the buyer to get some more traffic. So, you know, ultimately, I, I don't think it's going to change the industry as much as what many people are thinking, unless there's some massive, like, legislation drop but i just i don't see that really happening not soon yeah and and that's the thing i think you really hit the nail on the head and then that's actually what remax and anywhere basically did they said okay we won't make it a requirement now it's optional mm-hmm. but so now it's like okay so if i put my house on the market with no commission to the buyer's agent yeah let's see how you do <laughs> let's see how you do so <laughs> now i still have to pay the buyer's agent's commission because that's how the market works but it's not required but it's like if you want to sell your like it's not required to put gas in your car, but if you want to drive, you're going to want some gas. So again, I think you're very right. I do think that there will be some changes, but nothing that's actually going to affect us as home inspectors. One of the changes I think that's going to happen is I think they are going to break the MLS. Um, the MLS is antitrust 101 in my opinion, and I think they are going to break it to make it accessible. To the masses. If you control this much of the market, you have to make it accessible to the average person or accessible to other parts of the market and showing time. Because now if you are a buyer without an agent, you can't look at the MLS. You can't schedule you know, showings or anything. And if you're a FISBO for sale by owner, it's the same thing. You can't list on the MLS. They, they have to open that up in my opinion. And I think that's part of what they're trying to do. I think they're going to crack the MLS. Mm. Yeah, that's that's interesting to think about. And at the very least, it'll enable other listings that all realtors will be able to sell just as well as stuff on, on the MLS or off the MLS. It's not going to matter. And these alternative listing services, once that suit is settled, that's probably where you're going to see those sellers who don't want to give any commission to the buyer, they're going to have like more complex, they're going to flock to those kind of platforms. So your average home home buyer is probably going to start in the same place they've always started looking at a, a Zillow or a realtor.com or, you know, the local MLS like agent or whatever the case is. But then you always can also going to have these other alternative listings that, that you can consult as well. But then you're going to have to look at the fine print and see you know, who are you paying what and what are the parameters around this deal? So you'll probably have this alternative market other than the MLS also come online. But uh, that's interesting. I don't know how it's all going to play out. We'll have to see. It'll be like Craigslist for houses. Yeah. <laughs> Which you can buy a house on Craigslist, I suppose, right now too, if you want it. Yeah, you probably could even on eBay, I guess, if you really want to. Yeah. But I don't know. It's a, Is it going to be like one of these sites that you go on and like the lights dim in your house and you know, that kind of thing? I, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. but, but there is a lot of opportunity, I guess, for technology companies, for you know other real estate organizations who have been trying to get this going. There is a lot of opportunity uh, to be made here. And and I think ultimately that will impact home inspectors in a positive way. I think down the road, it, it probably will. Yeah. So I agree. I think it's going to be status quo with a couple of policy changes and then some cracking of the MLS open is really all I think it's going to be. But I tell you what, I talk to home inspectors all the time about this. I just had one last week call me, Ian, do you think the realtors are going to go away? There was just a post on Facebook and everybody's talking about it. I really don't see where much is going to or can change when it comes to our industry. I will say, again, if you are thinking this will happen, and there is a chance that it will, so if there's some law, the Antitrust Act gets forced, their hand is forced, and the courts are like, all right, 
No more MLS, no more buyer's agents. We can't do this. It's going to be very quick and hard, but you better have your online stuff ready. Those guys that are like, I don't have a website. I don't need it. It's all handshakes. You are going to be the guys with no work because everybody that was referring you will be gone or on the listing side and can't recommend you. So personally, I'm just beefing up online marketing and being ready for when it happens. But we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good tip. Yeah. I mean, and that's a good thing to do anytime, right? Because if if an agent, if your big agent like stops, you know, uh, they're not in business anymore, anything happens, you, you never want to have all your eggs in one basket. So, I think that's that's good advice across the board. Yeah. But it's funny because the market's slow and the first thing people do is, I'm going to turn off my website. I'm like, okay, so that's like my right knee hurts. So, let me blow out the left knee. You know, it's, <laughs> you know, we got to market harder when the market's slow to keep that up. But, you know, everybody has to make their own choice what fits into their budget. But right now I am choosing to market harder online and um, be ready for what comes. Yeah. Well, that sounds perfectly reasonable. Very interesting discussion. I, I think it's fascinating. We'll have to see what happens here. Yeah. Thank you for being on BNI. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah, man. Next time. Yeah. Bye. On behalf of myself, Ian, and the entire ITB team, thank you for listening to this episode. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you can catch our future episodes as well. And if you have any feedback, please send us an email at info at Also, don't forget to check out our brand new app for home inspectors, scheduling and report writing, all in one easy to use app. Check it out now at inspectortoolbelt.com. The views and opinions of this podcast and its guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Inspector Toolbelt and its associates.